You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you've come to the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this marketing-focused podcast, and it's very, very cool to have you tuning in. So thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I'm talking to Luke Carthy about analytics, because this month we are all about e-commerce marketing foundations. Yes, this month, rather than digging deep into a marketing traffic source, we're getting deep into those things you need working well in order to build your marketing on top of them. We've already covered getting your tech stack right. We've also looked into how your team's how to, rather, rather, how to get your teams operating really well, even when they're doing so remotely. And I think you'll all agree that without the right tech and a team that's performing, marketing just doesn't work. To do great marketing, you also need to know what impact your marketing is having on your business so that you can then keep optimising it. That, of course, means having the right tracking set up and making sure it's all working correctly and giving you the data you need to be able to make great decisions. Because if the data isn't right, you're making flawed decisions without even knowing it. To help us guide us really through the crazy world of analytics and what's possible and, you know, just getting the basics right as well, I've invited Luke Carthy back on the show. He's our first guest to be on Keep Optimising Twice. That's how good he is. And he is particularly good at explaining complex stuff like we're going to be going through today. So get ready to find out how to make sure your analytics and tracking is giving you the data you need to make the right optimization decisions. We're going to do that in a second, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Klaviyo will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash master plan. Today, I'm chatting with e-commerce expert Luke Carthy. Luke started his e-commerce career client-side. And then after being invited to speak at MozCon 2019, oh yes, MozCon 2019, he decided to go it alone. And he now spends his days helping his clients to deliver sustainable e-commerce growth with SEO and CRO. Now, in order to do that, he's often getting into the details of analytics setups to make sure that what we're seeing in our reports is both useful um, and an accurate representation of what actually happened on the website. Um, hello, Luke. Hello. That was a pretty succinct intro. I like that. Thank you. That's all right. And it, <laughs> I, I, it covers kind of the two big pain points that many people don't even realize they've got when it comes to their analytics. Yeah. It's, good. yeah. it's a good starting point. But before we get into, into those pain points, how did you get into being an analytics setup geek? Um, do you know what? I think it came about when I realized everything that I do comes down to it. Like you can't be affected. It doesn't matter how good you are or how much um, of an influence you've had. If you can't prove it, then it's worthless. And I think that is like pivotal 
because you're brought in, whether you're an employee, whether you're a, a you know contractor or a consultant, whatever it is, you have to know. You have to have a benchmark. You have to be able to understand where performance is, whether that's positive or negative. So goes without saying, you know. Um, and I had to be able to do it myself. I didn't want to have to be in a situation where I'm waiting on teams, waiting on resources, and I could just go away because I'm an impatient bugger at the best of times. So being able to just go away and jump in and get what I need without disturbing anybody um, is a must from for me. Oh, well, look, um, something you, you touched on a little bit there, and th- which I think has to be our jumping off point, because I suspect this is what a couple of people are thinking right now, is that I find a lot of people assume, especially when they're using a platform where you click a button and Google Analytics is installed, um, they think that Google Analytics is just accurate. It's just accurate. It's honest. It's telling them exactly what really happened. But that's not exactly true, is it? No, no, it's not. Um, and yes, you know, get me wrong. I'm not going to say that those one-click installs don't work. They do what they're supposed to do, which is get you to the bare bones um, analytics platform, whatever that that platform is. But it's never going to be able to paint a picture. It's never going to be able to turn that data into information. It's never going to be able to answer those stakeholder board level questions that are going to be asked, whether you like it or not. Um, and that's the challenge. I think sometimes those one-click installs, those plugins that promise the world um, almost oversell themselves um, because there's a very big difference between a basic bare-bones GA installation where it's counting your page views and your um, users and time on site and bounce rate and then actually getting into the nitty-gritty and identifying precisely what people love, what they don't like, what they hate, what's costing you sales. And it's that difference that, of course, makes the difference when you're, you're pulling your information and data. So for anyone out there listening who likes to have analytics tell them how many people went on the website last month, how many bought and what the conversion rate was, they're fine. Well, they're fine in terms of analytics is giving them the data they want, but <laughs> they're, they're not fine in that, guys, you should be doing a lot more with it, which is the whole point of this episode is what we should actually be doing. And Luke, you, you said about questions and asking questions and I think another problem with with analytics, whatever, actually, to be fair, any data is people often will just go in. I, I spent three hours looking at the data yesterday. It was really interesting. So, did you learn anything? No, because we start kind of data first. We don't start problem first or question first. So, is yours a question first approach? Yeah, I always think when I'm approaching analytics, because it, it's so easy, as you've said, you can get sucked into a wormhole of looking at pretty graphs and playing around with date ranges. And let me compare year on year and week on week and month on month. And it's all great to see percentages and green and red and all that kind of stuff. But what does it mean? Like, what information can you pull from that data? It's not, you know, your stakeholders and your your line managers and whatever don't want data. They want you to pull the information. Um, so, yeah, you have to start with what is it you're looking to, to find before you start digging around and finding it. Um, but equally, I'll be honest, sometimes I really don't know. Sometimes you just realize that you have to spend some time it could have been say three months since you last took analytics and you just want to get a feel and start identifying where there's hiccups and where there's problems that is okay too um but you ultimately must kind of come out with something you have to have a destination or an endpoint rather than just flicking through graphs and charts so we can use it to help us identify what questions we should be asking but the benefits are going to come from actually asking those questions and it's when we start asking those questions we start seeing the limitations of the initial setup. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, what, I'll give you a perfect example. So um, 
page KPIs. So as we said, bounce rate, page views, time on page, that sort of stuff. Um, that's great. If you want to set the scene and give someone a very loose top level performance review of how things are going, as soon as they ask how, why, when, how, you know, that sort of thing, that's when those data points fall apart because you need to paint a picture. Um, and it's then when you kind of need to go beyond those basic statistics to then answer those questions well enough. So if your bounce rate, for example, is 85%, the first question that any decent manager is going to ask you is, why is it so high? Um, but equally, you know, to the opposite side of thing, if you've got a conversion rate of 6%, well, that's brilliant. Why is it so good? Like, as soon as you start asking those questions, that's where you start scratching your head and going, uh, do you know what? The e-commerce report on its own isn't going to be able to give me that information. See, I when I get to that point, I'm going, why? I will almost always, well, I will every time. There's no almost about it. I will always go and start segmenting by traffic. And going, is it the Google Ads? Because it usually is the Google Ads. If they answer it's a problem, it's usually your Google Ads because you're optimizing your Google Ads to bring you a, a profitable sale or a sale within your targets. You're not optimizing it for bounce rate. So often they're the problem. There's there's a top tip for all of you. Um, but but I'll look at it by by channel because obviously where the traffic's coming from for a bounce rate is is important, but I rarely go beyond that. So how do we go? to the next level? And actually, should we even bother by traffic source? I suppose I should ask you too. Yeah. So um, I think this is kind of where tools have their limits and their purposes. So um, staying with your your particular topic, if you have high bounce rate from paid, um, well, actually, that's GA in some ways has kind of done its job in that capacity. But what you then need to go and take a look at is maybe your heat maps, maybe your uh, session recording software to see precisely why um, things aren't aren't working because that will then give you the almost real raw footage and seeing what's going from a, from a user perspective because the analytics will only take you so far. It will only give you things on a page level or a device level or a country level. You won't be able to see what's going on. And it could be, say, a 404. Um, it could be things are just taking an age to load. As we know, that's a common issue when you're coming from from paid paid um, paid medium. So, yeah, but I think GA kind of sets you up, gives you the kind of inklings and 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 what you want to call it, catalysts, if you like, and then you're jumping into the real nitty-gritty tools um, of, of why. We'll move, we'll get into the nitty-gritty in a moment, but there are some people listening who are going, heat maps and session recording? Can I do that in Google Analytics? Um, so could you let them know where what it means and where they could do it, please? Okay, yes, of course. So to answer that first question, no, not yet, but never say never. You can't look at heat maps. <laughs> Oh, there is a kind of like a really crappy version of a heat map in Google Analytics, but it's not a heat map. It's just kind of a way of picturing what links have been clicked in GA. But that is not a heat map, although it may look like one. Um, but basically using something like, say, Lucky Orange or a lot of people know Crazy Egg or Hotjar. My personal favorite is Mouseflow because it's actually quite cheap and has a lot of um, a lot more capacity than, say, Crazy Egg um, would have at a lower price point. Um but that would be the software that I'd recommend. So to kind of bring this full circle, you'd go into GA, you'd identify, maybe sort your pages that have, say, more than a 100 um, page views just to try and get rid of all those random fragmented parameter URLs. And then let's say you've identified 10 of your pages that have a bounce rate of above 90%. You're going to be thinking, why? You know, they've got a couple hundred page views. Um maybe a couple hundred uh, unique visits, what's going on? And it's at that point where you move across to another data set or another tool to really get into and analyze via heat maps mm -hmm. or, or watching sessions, which is basically um, 
it, it sounds really weird when you explain it. It sounds like really stalkerish, but it's basically <laughs> what's in your user's footage and how they browse around the site. Um, and that will then give you an idea and allow you to, to, to connect the, I guess, the in-depth detail um, along with the kind of top-level statistics you'd pull from Google Analytics. And those those videos are the kind of ones where we watch them when it's our website and we go, why aren't you clicking on the button? It's obvious that the button's there. Why aren't you clicking on it? Why have you scrolled to the bottom? Why on earth would you scroll to the bottom? And so forth. <laughs> so fixing it becomes quite cathartic, but watching them can often be highly frustrating. Um, very much so. Right. I said we get into the nitty gritty. So, so we've talked about bounce rates and using additional tools to Google Analytics because all the answers aren't going to be in there. But within Google Analytics, what are the most common, not necessarily problems you're fixing, but things you're adding into the Google Analytics data set to um, to help you understand an e-commerce business? Is there something which doesn't matter on the e-commerce business, you're always going to add it into the mix? Yes, 100%. So to be crystal clear, even if you have um, enhanced e-commerce up and running in your Google Analytics instance. So to very, very clear what that is, that's basically just tracking your sales, um, whether that's your checkout behavior, your abandonments, your purchases, all that kind of stuff, your product impressions, product views. That is what Google Analytics identifies as enhanced um, analytics um, or enhanced e-commerce, sorry. But even that for many is kind of like the creme de la creme of GA, and it really isn't. Like you need to be looking into custom dimensions um, and custom metrics. And that sounds like crazy, complicated, and people are kind of thinking, no, 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 no. But I promise you, it it's, sounds a lot more complicated than what it is. But it allows you to enrich the data that you have in GA with your own custom um, data. So to give you a perfect example, and one that I always go to, it's adding error messages into Google Analytics because it can be an absolute godsend. Um, one thing GA won't do out of the box is capture error messages. Um, so if you can kind of collect every error, every error message that a customer would see, um, and you can get a bird's eye view of all the error messages that have ever been seen in a, in a certain date range, you then have one data, but two, um, an actual case to make some noise and say, hey, look, product teams, look, dev teams, look, marketing teams. We have a huge issue here, which says, I don't know, um, Stripe is unavailable at the moment, and that's directly impacting your sales and performance. So you've not just identified a specific error message, you're able to identify how many times that's been fired by how many people and how big or small of an issue that is to then just basically fast track tickets and get everything else out of the way. You can prioritize basically. So we could know that our, one of our payment systems, i.e. Stripe, isn't doing what it should be doing. It's not up 24, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and then go and fix it. Whereas otherwise, we'd probably be waiting for someone in customer service to A, understand what the customer's problem was, and B, tell us about it. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you, you know, we, we already know the rule of customers would just rather leave and go somewhere else than spend the time to fill in um, a contact form or to contact someone on, on live chat and that, that you know if you've already heard about it so if you've heard from customer services that hey um, customer x has a problem there's probably another 50 maybe even a couple hundred customers prior to them that have had the exact same issue um, and if you hear it more than once then you know you probably have a, a pretty big big situation going on there so it, it, it kind of allows you to try and be one step ahead and, and fix it before it comes a problem for too many of your customers because I suppose you could have that report. You, you pull the data into Google Analytics using a custom dimension. Yes. Yeah. 
And then you can turn that into a custom report in Google Analytics and then have that emailed to you every every morning. And then you can see the error before it gets too big, I suppose. So it becomes a problem solving thing, not even a how to analyze your marketing thing. Yes. And I, I actually had a client who um, leveraged the data that I put in um, to Google Analytics via Custom Dimensions, and we built a data studio dashboard. And you know, like in a lot of customer services departments where you've got the big screens up and you've got your Amber, your traffic light system in terms of your calls and tickets and that sort of thing, we had a screen dedicated to real-time errors. So they wow. could see if there's a spike and all of a sudden you've then got a, hey, we need to fix this. This has gone down, um, which actually came into it. We didn't expect it to have such a big impact. But during the peak of Black Friday last year, um, it was a well, We're talking 2019, aren't we, for anyone yes. who's listening? Because we're recording yeah. this in 2020. You're hearing it in 2021. So last year was 2019. 2019. Yeah, at this point, 2019. Yeah, yeah just clear it up. Um, it was brilliant because we got to see 404s. We got to see the server fall over. Um, technical issues where people are just kind of rage clicking buttons because they want stuck or things are going really slow. And that helps customer services teams to try and better prepare and, and put resources where they needed to. So this is kind of where you go above and beyond the basic implementation of Google Analytics. Um, but equally, I guess a, a, a question that's probably just immediately jumps into my head is how do I know what data to even send to GA? Like how do I even... Yeah. You know, custom dimensions, great. But what data do I pass to those custom dimensions? Um, it all comes down to your vertical, what you're in, your product you're working with. So if you're a lead gen business, for example, you might want to pass um, a message that passes or the message that the customer sees every time they filled out a contact form. And if you have a spike when, um, let's say you have a spike when uh, it fails, then you know you have a problem. And we've all seen it before where we move to a new domain name. Um, you haven't reauthorized your recapture when you've got to click all the images with a bloody mm -hmm. you know, crosswalk in or whatever. Um, yep. And if you don't reauthorize that, your entire lead gen system fails. So you've basically got to put into GA what you know is going to be crazy and what you know is going to cost you when it goes wrong. And that's, that's how I kind of almost like reverse engineering the problem. So it's quite a good way to kind of slightly risk mitigate and future-proof your business if you set it up right, because it will give you an early warning when you've forgotten something or when something's broken. Yeah, but normally in, in these kind of cases, and we, we're only human, right? You normally put this into place once you've been burnt already. So the site's gone down and it's like, right, how do we prevent it next time? Because nobody ever wants to spend a whole sprint or two sprints or a whole quarter for building things that might happen. Um but, you know, if you have that capacity, if you're in that dream world where you've got like a, a, a couple of weeks to play around with and you can build a completely holistic, um, all singing or dancing platform, then yes, go in and throw, uh, throw in those fire alarms and those signals into Google Analytics. Cool. I want to get a bit more into how we set up these custom dimensions in a second. But before I do, you mentioned another very cool tool, which we should probably just explain a bit because I find a surprisingly large number of people haven't heard about this and it's game changing, uh, which is Data Studio. Yes. So Google Data Studio is basically uh, Google Analytics right hand um, person, if you like. They are made for each other and they integrate very, very tightly. Um, it's kind of like Power BI. So if anyone kind of, you know, plays with data and dashboards and stuff and uses Power BI, then it's Google's answer to that. 
Um, and it's completely free of charge for, for in most cases. Plus, the beautiful thing about it is you can also add in additional data sources. So if you have, again, going back to customer services, if you wanted to import call logs, um, if you wanted to add in tickets that are outstanding, that sort of thing, you can absolutely bring that data into a dashboard if it makes sense to do so. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely something you should get stuck into. One of the things I love the most about Data Studio is that you can kind of set up your weekly report template or your monthly report template. And rather than spending the whole of the first day of the month or the second day of the month creating the report and formatting it to send it to your bosses, it happens automatically once you set it up once. It's like a couple of clicks. Oh, look, March is set up. Yeah. I can just send it to everyone. Um, you know, and for that for that annoying person you send the report to who goes, Can I have it on weeks, not on calendar <laughs> days? You can send them a version where they can change the date range themselves. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a huge time saver when it comes to reporting. Which of course the more time you can save creating the reports, the more time you can spend analyzing them, and the more time you can cr- spend creating the reports you should be creating, but don't have time to create. Exactly. I said we get deeper into uh, creating these things called custom dimensions. So you said custom dimensions and custom metrics. Can you explain kind of what they are and and how we how we use them, how we set them up actually, rather than how we use them? Yes. So um, so to make it even more confusing, you've kind of got custom definitions, which is the parent term for both custom metrics and custom dimensions. But to very quickly explain them, because, it, again, it sounds complicated, but it's actually really, really simple. Custom metrics is anything you provide. You do mathematical um, things. I'm trying to think of a more sexy word than things, but things. Can I help you out with it? Uh, I always think of it because in, in analytics, anything you get across the top of a table is a metric. And everything, anything you get down the left is a dimension. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In, in Google Analytics speak. So um, so hence, I, I'm guessing a custom metric would be an alternative to bounce rate. Yes. Yeah. So anything that you, um, you add together, remove, you create averages for, anything that's got calculus against it is a custom metric. Um, anything that's basically a string or is, a, or is text uh, is, is custom, is a dimension. So to give you a very specific example, if you wanted to store, um, let me try and think, uh, LTV from another system somewhere that you pull in, mm-hmm. um, then that's going to be a metric, of course. But if you wanted to pull through like a name or... Uh, or those yeah. error messages we were talking yeah. about. Then that would absolutely be a dimension, yeah. Um, one last thing to kind of mention on that, which is really, really important, is metrics, custom metrics are only... Um, based on the hits, and I don't want to jump into this too much, but it is also really important to save you a lot of time. So metrics are based on the hit, which means they only exist for that specific page. Um, while a dimension can exist on a hit, it can also exist on a session, and it can exist on the entire user. So what I mean by that is um, if you sent an error message, you could have that error message sticking in um, Google Analytics for that entire user if you wanted to. So this user has seen this error message, but a custom metric of say 10 pounds would only happen on that specific page. Um, and it's it's tricky to get your head around, but when you start building and messing around with data, you'll start to understand the, the small distinctions between the two bits of um, taxonomy. 
It's often the case with Google stuff that at this point, where you hear us talking about it when you listen to podcasts, you're like, oh God, that sounds crazy. And then after half an hour of playing, you're like, oh, it all makes total sense. So, uh, <laughs> so don't let the fact you might be feeling a little bit disrupted, I suppose, by it, but right now a bit scared of it, let you hold you back because it's they're really not as scary as this out. Now, these custom dimensions and the custom metrics, do we set those up in Google Analytics, or are they something that we send to Google Analytics and then it kind of automatically creates? Both. Oh, no, 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 tell a lie. It, yeah, you set them up in GA and you pass data to it as well. But the easiest way to absolutely get data from where you need to into Google Analytics via custom um, metrics or dimensions is Tag Manager, like 110%. There's no easier way to do it. And there's so many cool resources. Simo Ahava, who basically is my GTM crush, uh, he is an absolute legend in this space. He is the godfather of everything Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager. Loads of walkthroughs. Um, but that even allows you to pass custom dimensions from your website or whatever system you're playing with to Google Analytics without even having to interrupt developers. Um, so you can create your sexy dashboards and build what you need without development assistance, which is great because that means you're not waiting for weeks, months, or even quarters to try and get your, your data off the ground. And um, we'll put a link to the godfather of GTM <laughs> in the in the thing because I think trying to explain Google Tag Manager on a podcast is a leap beyond um, you guys aren't going to listen to it and we're going to tie ourselves in knots. So we'll put a link to, to that guy so you can go and have a Google Tag Manager. But you really should have it in place on your website because it, it frees up the marketing team in so many ways from the mire of, um, of the developer workflow list. It's, a, it's an amazing... But again, also slightly scary until you get into it at all. Now, one thing I really wanted to talk to you about as well, um, Luke, is events. So personally, I steer clear of the crazy stuff in Google Analytics because I find it slightly crazy and I make other people do it for me. But one thing which I am capable of doing is playing around a little bit with events in order, in my case, to track um, email signups which are surprisingly hard to track in the world of Google Analytics. So can you quickly tell us a bit about events as well? Yeah, so that, that is a perfect example. Um, email signups, form completions, um, engaging live chat, you know, all kinds of things. So events are basically actions, if you like, things that you complete. Um, and you can have an event as a single event, so or you can have it as a funnel. So there's three or four steps before that event is complete. Um, but they're really, really easy um, ways to kind of set flags, if you like, or checkpoints in Google Analytics. But what I will say, um, not to break open the whole Google Analytics 4 thing, but events in Google Analytics and the brand new, super, super shiny Google Analytics 4 are not quite the same. And I don't want to break it open right now, but it's just like a note that I want to give to people um, if you're looking into events. Um, but yeah, they're, they're really, really cool at adding checkpoints or allowing you to understand how many people did or didn't do something in Google Analytics. And what I particularly like them about like about them is that you can set them up as a goal, which then means you can track. So I can track because I set them up this way. I can track email signups and where they came from, and in the same way as you could track a, a conversion, which is it's quite cool about events. Um, you mentioned um, GA four. Uh, we're not getting into that today, but maybe we'll do. If you, guys, if you're listening and you're like, "Oh, I need to know more about GA4," then um, then drop us a line, and maybe we'll do an episode on it later this year. But I think did it come out Q4 2020? Yeah, so it's out of beta now. Um, 
but in, in in my succinct opinion, it's not really ready for e-commerce yet. But the, the, to very quickly summarize what GA4 is, it's it's supposed to be the replacement for UA, which is the previous iteration of Google Analytics. Um, but don't panic because it's not going to be you know, a kind of light switch moment. They're going to be run parallel for quite some time. But it makes sense to go and play around, build yourself a, a demo property and have a poke around. Um, but there's some pros, which we won't get into now, but it's it's supposed to be the replacement for um, for UA. Google are good in that they let us play with things early, but it's often wiser to wait 12 months before actually bothering. So I suspect there'll be an e-commerce rush to GA4 in January 2022, because I doubt any of us will want to switch over in Q4. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, getting well off track there. Um, so I'm guessing so far, everybody who's out there listening, we have, we have given you a lot of things to think about in Google Analytics. Don't worry, in the show notes, we're going to give you a whole load of resources to take you a little bit further. But right now, we're going to pause for our reminder of our sponsors. And then we're going to talk about kind of the wider world of e-commerce as we, as we put Luke through our insider tips. Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS, and personalised website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, platform is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Luke, so far we've gone deep into taking our analytics to the next level. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of kind of e-commerce and analytics and almost, to be honest, anything you want to talk about, Luke, really. Um, so for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with e-commerce, which of course does include the analytics we've been talking about. So Luke, you ready for these? I'm ready. Okay, let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with e-commerce and analytics today, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? Um, how to get the basics right. And I know that's like, oh, cliche as heck, but I cannot tell you how painful it is to walk into um, a company or a client and then find some really basic fundamental stuff that's just gone wrong. To give you some examples, double tracking pages. Um, where you think you've got 10,000 you know, sessions this month, but actually you've got half of that. Um, or even maybe you've got a website with multiple domains. So you might have a, a forums.domain.com and a shop.domains.com. Um, yeah, that can cause a lot of problems if you have experience crossing domains. So just getting things right and making sure things measure properly before you go and make things all sexy and shiny Um is, is so, so important because, yeah, as we know, if you can't trust your data, then what's the point? Yeah, and, and doing it early, just to add to that, is, is crucial because the majority of what we've talked about today only starts tracking from the moment you put it live. You can't retrofit these things. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to be able to compare to, to this year, next year, that makes sense, um, you need it right now. Um Okay. Once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve e-commerce performance? 
This is good. Okay. Um, I personally like asking people who have very little technical experience to go and have a poke at a new feature um, or to try and buy something or to basically giving them a challenge and then watching them swear a lot and get frustrated and then take notes and make it better. Um, the reason why is because even, you know, myself who, who lives and breathes CRO and SEO and all that analytics and all that sort of stuff, you do get desensitized to it. Um, and having someone who doesn't use equipment every day, who does someone isn't on their laptop every single day is brilliant. And it has so much, so much insight potential there. So ask family, ask friends, ask your nan. Uh, um, and yeah, just, just get people's feedback. Really, really important. Yeah. I love that. So, so few people do it it's, and it's really necessary. In a normal non-COVID world, I'd be saying you can, if you can't think of anyone, just take your laptop to a cafe and buy someone a coffee to work on it. But don't do that at the moment. That would no. be bad. <laughs> um, if someone listening wants to learn more about this analytics um, and improving their reporting and asking those questions, is there one cheap or free resource you recommend? Yeah, so there's a, a couple of really cool blogs. One's called Analytics Mania, um, and they go through everything from 101 all the way into really kind of special customized BigQuery nonsense, which is super powerful, but, you know, super techy. Um, but what I would say, and I know this sounds like really weird, but stay away from Google's documentation because it's normally terrible um, and just cr cr creates more confusion for you than it will do solutions. And I've been there so many times. So just take a look because there's always someone who's done what Google have done and made it actually so much better. Um, but yeah, build yourself. I mean, the thing about um, analytics that's really important to mention is that you can't break anything on the site. The caveat of thrown in Tag Manager. So if you break your analytics platform, if you're building yourself a playground, you're just messing around with settings and stuff, do that. Obviously, create yourself a playground. Don't mess with the live, <laughs> the live thing. But my point is that if you're tweaking things in analytics, you're not going to break things on the website. Um, I've said that and I'm now thinking, actually, maybe there's an edge case here. But in most cases, you're not going to break anything on the website. I give it till Friday before I get someone going, <laughs> I did what Luke said and I've broken it. <laughs> so uh, so I'll send them in your direction when that happens. Yeah, Luke. Please, please, please. My email address is don't contact me at luke.com. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think you said there, uh, there's two blogs you'd mentioned and you mentioned analytics media. I think there was a, was there a second one you were going to say? Um, analytics mania. Um, just to be the second one, I, I was going to mention Simo again, but I've already given him enough love already. Um, I probably will think of one if, if I do, I'll let you know, and I'm sure we can go in the show notes, but they're, they're my kind of my two go-tos. Brilliant. Um, and then finally, it's crystal ball time, which we may have already um, covered the answer to this one. But what's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for with our uh, analytics? Okay. Um, oof, 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 oof. This is going to be interesting. I think, do you know what? Prepare for the unknown. I think this year or oh, last year, because this goes out in January. So last year, 2020, has taught us that constantly going for the usual oh it's payday let's put out a campaign oh it's easter let's do a campaign oh it's summer let's start selling holidays like it doesn't work because covid came and threw a spanner in everything we knew about the calendar so i would just say be in a situation where you prepare and you look at every single month um as a yeah as an opportunity you don't have any pre-connotations because we don't know what 2021 is going to be like we all hope it's going to be brilliant and things will start to get back to normal but no one has any idea and i think taking that kind of 
I don't know, fear of the unknown and taking that and putting it into your analytics and how you plan your campaigns. It's so much better than saying, oh, it's the 25th of the month. Let's start putting out a payday email, that sort of thing. Um, last but not least, what I'll add to that is, is the stuff you're doing now actually working? Because there's so many teams that just do stuff because it's always been done that way. Be the person or be the team who says, we've sent this email for the last 12 months. Is it still working? Is it Could we do better? Um, because if you don't, there will be a competitor that will do it for you. Yeah, as we as we named this podcast, keep optimising everybody. You have to keep looking and asking those questions. Could this be better? What haven't I looked at in a while? And keep it keep it moving because it's going to be those who who focus on the biggest opportunity today and on getting their foundations right who are going to have the success this year. I think. Yes, absolutely. Quite some margin. Um, okay, Luke, we are very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? I can indeed. Um, so yes, you can find me, LukeCarthy.com, um, Mr. Luke Carthy on Twitter. Basically, just Google my name. You will probably find me if you need to find me. Um, and equally, my DMs are open. If you've got any questions, if you want any pointers in the world of GA analytics or tools or whatever, then yeah, please reach out um, and I'll be happy to help where I can. Yeah, it's definitely one of those areas which a couple of pointers in the right direction can save you days. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Can I be a really big pain? Because mm. I know what you're about to do. You're about to do that wrap-up thing. And I've just one thing that's hit my head that I think is really important. If there was one thing that um, listeners decided to take away from this, it's to go and look at your site search and think about the custom dimensions and custom metrics you can take from that. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um Let's look at Holland and Barrett. So March 2020, coronavirus came up. And if you search for coronavirus on Holland and Barrett, you got no results found. My point here is if they had something built in their Google Analytics platform that let them know about queries that have been searched for that had no results, that's brilliant because that's money on the table. People are searching for stuff that they want to buy from you that they cannot. There's no bigger quick win than taking money from people who want to give it to you. And that would be the thing that I'd say people need to do for 2021. Love it. And I'm really glad you interrupted my doing that wrapping up thing uh, to, to give us that because that's a top tip. Site search, so much potential in site search. Well, look, Luke, you were quite right. I was about to do that wrapping up thing. And now I'm going to do that wrapping up thing. Uh, Luke, thanks so much for coming on the show again. You always provide so much value and, and enlighten complicated subjects in a really good way. So um, so thanks for, for taking the time to come on and record this with you, with us even. Uh, we really appreciate it. No, thank you very much. It's been awesome to be here again. So there you have it. So much we've covered there from the basics right through to some quite clever, advanced, cool stuff there to help you get your uh, your data ever better, to help you make ever better decisions and to help you to keep optimising your marketing. Um, trust me, it is worth getting your head around this stuff, even though it might seem a little bit a uh, bit complicated. And it's very worth getting those analytics set up right, because once you've done it, it's just going to keep paying off for you. We've put the links to all those key resources that Luke mentioned in the show notes. Um, there you can also get the full transcript of the episode. So yes, you can go and grab yourself a PDF of everything Luke said, if you want to make it a little bit easier to follow along. Um, and you can also get other notes we've put together about the episode too. You can find all of that at keepoptimizing.com. There you'll see a link to our to our uh, full episodes list and a link to this episode itself. 
If, like us, you can't get enough of Luke, then uh, be ready to learn about his new e-commerce business that um, he's just set up in late 2020, because in 2021, he is our startup story on our sister podcast, E-Commerce Master Plan. That's happening um, from February, so he'll be on multiple times during the year telling us how how it's going launching his own e-commerce business and growing it through 2021. This month, we're adding a lot of things to your to-do list across the two podcasts. Here on Keep Optimising, we're covering the four foundational areas you need to get right. And over on e-commerce master plan, we've got eight whole episodes going live this month as part of our e-commerce growth series sponsored by Clavio. So there's a lot of great ideas coming your way this month. And as we all know, the key to success is picking the right things to do because there's always stuff we could be doing. The question is, what should we be doing? To help you with that, in the first week of February, we're going to be hosting a very special 2021 planning webinar. So we've we've done it in early Feb because it means you get the chance to get your January sales out of the way. You get a chance to listen to all these episodes we're putting live in January. And then what we're going to do in the webinar is to help you work out the plan that's actually going to enable you to hit your goals in 2021. I'm going to be covering a little bit on setting your goals for the year. Uh, I'm going to be taking you through a couple of systems that you can follow to help you work out what you actually should do to hit those goals. And we're going to have a couple of tips as well around getting organised so it all actually happens. Uh, Because a plan is great, but if it doesn't get put into practice, what was the point, quite frankly? Um, So right now, to make sure you don't miss out on that, go and save your space for free at keepoptimising.com forward slash webinar. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. It is very cool. Every Monday I look at the stats and they keep going up. We keep getting listened to in more countries and we're ranking well in loads of countries. So it's very cool. And it's all because you keep tuning in. So thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, um, I'm going to give you a recommendation for a, for a completely different type of episode because I figure... After a heavy session on analytics, you'll want something a bit more strategic to listen to next. So have a listen to episode 27 we put live recently with Joanna Steele, where we're talking all about user-generated content, how to get it and how you can use it to supercharge all your marketing activity. Um, So go and have a listen to that next for a bit of a a a brain caressing, I suppose, after this heavy duty analytics episode. Uh, Please also do tell your fellow marketers about the Keep Optimising podcast because I'm creating it to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their marketing. So the more people you tell about it, the more people I can help. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimising at keepoptimising.com. That's with an S, not a Z.